0: Welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So following on on our topic of behaviours, one question that I've been asked a lot lately is why is my child constantly humming? And I think because we're based at home at the moment and in a smaller enclosed environment, we may well be noticing these characteristics a lot more than we do usually. So we're going to focus today's podcast on why we might recognise that our child is humming or talking or repeating things a lot more than they might usually do. Okay so let's think about the sensory aspects relating to humming. So it may be that it's creating some auditory input So when I'm talking about humming, it may be making the sound humming, it might be the noise, so someone may be repeating things, so sentences, it might be that they're constantly talking or constantly singing or shouting or speaking really loudly. But for some people the same aspects can relate to people that may well bang things or stomp around the house and Then you might be able to relate to this a little bit better. So, When we're thinking about humming, yes, auditory. So is that person creating that hum or repeating that sentence to get more auditory input? Are they doing it because actually their regular amount of sound that their brain needs in order for their senses to work together just isn't quite enough regularly? So while they're working, while they're eating, while they're playing, you may well notice that they're humming at the same time or that they're singing or that they're talking or repeating things and that can be because their body, their brain needs more of that auditory input. Now, other sensory aspects might be relating to body awareness. So especially when we hum and when we talk, we can feel those vibrations in our body as well. So when I'm humming, I can feel it in my lips and in my oral muscles around my mouth, but I can also feel it in my throat and in my chest and maybe in my belly, depending on how intense that hum is. So our body awareness is the feedback we get from our joints and our muscles, our proprioceptive sense. However, when we're finding it difficult to feel where our body is, we might notice that we bump into things to try and feel where we are. So if you know someone that stomps around the house, that can be because they need that amount of physical input from their joints and muscles to feel where their body is. So when they're stamping their feet, they're getting that joint and muscle resistance, that feedback from their feet, from their ankles, from their knees, from their thighs. And so rather than kicking things, pushing things, banging things with their feet, they're getting that regulation as they're walking around the house. And for them, it means that they're stomping. The other way that we reason why we might recognize people who hum quite a lot or talk or repeat things is relating to our tactile sense. Now, our tactile sense is known as the largest sensory system because it's all of our skin. So wherever our skin is, we are feeling that input. We also have the most amount of tactile receptors in our mouth. So again, when I'm humming, it might not just be about the sound. It can be the way that those receptors in my mouth are taking in that tactile input as well. So when we're thinking about someone who may be constantly talking or humming or singing... Yes, we might be constantly questioning, oh, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Can we find a way of helping them to reduce the amount that they're doing that for everyone's sanity within your household? Now, first of all, we need to understand the sensory purpose as to why that is. So I've just mentioned it could be auditory. It could be proprioceptive and it could be tactile. Now, going back to auditory, I mentioned that someone could be making that sound to get more auditory input in. They require more auditory input in order to regulate. And when we're regulated, that means we can function at our optimum, at our best. So when I'm humming, I might be find it easier to then focus on the fine motor skill that I'm doing or the activity of eating or the activity of following an instruction. When I'm not humming, I might then find it a lot harder in order to do those activities because I'm not getting in the right amount of sensory input in order to regulate Now, if we're thinking about our auditory sense, we can also recognise some people who hum or talk or repeat things, everything that I've been talking about, because actually they're hypersensitive to sound. So they're really, really sensitive. They're oversensitive, over-responsive to auditory input. Now you might think, well, why would they hum? Why would they make sound if they are sensitive to sound? Now, the reason for this is because if someone is hypersensitive to something, if someone's over-responsive, they have a really low threshold to some type of sensory input, so we're thinking about auditory input, you may notice that as soon as that person enters a room where there's a particular sound, they're covering their ears and they're running out. And they're telling you, "Ah, that's too much, I can't cope. That's someone who's hypersensitive to sound. Now, when they're humming, what's happening is they're actually then in control of the sound that they're processing. So when they are worried, when they're aware of all of the auditory inputs, all of the sounds that are happening around them, so even if they're in an environment where, to you and I, it seems quite quiet, To them, they may be processing, they may be tuning into the sounds of the lights buzzing, or the radiators humming, or the cars driving past outside, or the wind, or people walking around in other rooms, or other conversations in other rooms, or music being played in a different room. Now, we may not recognise those sounds as bothering us, as getting in the way of us being able to do a task. But for someone who's hypersensitive to sound, that auditory input, that sound is staying there. So that buzzing of the light is really going to then bother me because I can't block it out. I'm finding it really difficult to ignore that light buzzing. And so a really effective way of me then to try and block out all of those sounds that are getting in my way of trying to regulate, of trying to focus on the activity or the thing that I'm doing, is to make a noise. So when I'm humming, I'm in full control of that sound, I'm processing that sound, I'm feeling it, but also... I am taking in that auditory input of the sound. So a classic characteristic of someone who's hypersensitive to sound is the need to feel, the need to be in control of the sensory input that's going on around them. So when they're humming, they're actually humming because it's helping them to block out all of the other sounds. So it's not about them creating more sound, seeking out more input. It's actually a really effective way to help them to block out the auditory input that's happening around them. So when we're thinking about the sensory aspects, it's really important for us to accurately understand for our specific child or adult or whoever you're supporting, what. Are their sensory purposes? What are their sensory characteristics as to why they are humming? Why are they talking? Why are they repeating themselves constantly? Is it auditory? Is it proprioceptive? Is it tactile? Now, other reasons why we may notice some people humming, we also need to take into consideration things like interaction. Are they starting to find ways of communicating with you? Are they humming at particular times? Are they trying to get your attention? Are they trying to get your acknowledgement? Are they waiting for that response from you as well? The first stages of communication is that turn-taking. Me making a sound or me doing something and my communication partner making a sound and doing something and taking it in turns like that, a bit like ping pong, hitting the ball from one side to the other. That's the first way that we start to really understand how things function in the world around us. So what does this mean? When we're thinking about someone who hums, why why is it important that we think about the sensory aspects? Is it because they require more, more sensory input or are they trying to block it out? So let's have a little think about this. So for auditory, I've given you examples. Actually, for some people, they may be humming to seek out extra sound, so creating more auditory input. However, for some people, they may be humming to actually help to regulate out some of the other auditory input going on around them. So when we're thinking about why someone might be humming, let's not jump to conclusions and think that they're humming because they're trying to make more sound. You may know that your your child or whoever it is that you're supporting finds it really difficult in really noisy environments. And they may already wear headphones or ear defenders or listen to music to try and help to support themselves when they're in those unpredictably noisy environments. Now, if it's proprioceptive, it's likely that they are humming to feel more body awareness, to get more physical input from their joints and their muscles working so I will talk in a minute about how we can then provide that extra proprioceptive body awareness input and for tactile if someone is humming for the feeling of how that is on their skin or from their tactile receptors in their mouth then again it's likely that they're doing that to create more input, create more tactile stimulation in order to not just feel where their body is, but also to regulate to be able to function at their best. Now, it's really common that we can easily misunderstand some sensory characteristics. And this is where I would recommend that you go and do my Becoming a Sensory Detective online training. This course gives you the knowledge, the confidence and the skills to be able to not just understand why we're recognizing some of these sensory characteristics, but also you will then be able to break it down, break each characteristic down into its sensory elements and then personalize that for the person you're supporting. So we might misunderstand certain characteristics if we just think about the initial sensory system that could be relating to them doing that. So when I was talking about someone who's speaking really loudly or making lots of noise, we might presume that they're doing that to get more auditory input in but actually they may be doing that because that's their effective way of regulating that's their most effective strategy of being able to essentially block out all the other auditory input going on around them so if we do misunderstand some of these sensory characteristics we may then notice this sensory need the sensory behaviour happening for longer because their input isn't being supported. They're not getting in the sensory input that they require. So if I think that someone's making noise because they need more auditory input, if I then start playing music or providing audiobooks or giving them extra sound input into their daily routine, then actually we might recognize there are more meltdowns, there are more situations when they're overwhelmed because actually they're making that noise because they're trying to block it all out because it's too much. Now, How can we then start to support our children and adults who are humming, are repeating things, are talking constantly, are singing, are banging things? And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, since we've been in isolation, so we're in isolation at the moment because of COVID-19 and we're all staying safe, parents are noticing this a lot more in their children. And so we must also consider that level of anxiety Situations have changed, routines have changed, we know that our young people are very aware when things change and might find it difficult to understand that but also to respond, know how to cope with that. And so by doing repetitive body movements, stimming, We know that that can help to calm or to stimulate the body. And so for someone who's at a high level of anxiety, we may recognise that some of these sensory characteristics are more apparent at the moment because of the amount that things are changing. In the same way that you or I, we're feeling anxious as well because we are uncertain with what's happening. And so you might notice that you have started to eat different foods, that you're doing certain things, wearing certain perfumes, wearing certain clothes, eating certain foods, um, just to try and support yourself and help yourself feel a little bit better. So how can we support people? So if you're supporting someone who is um, humming because they're requiring more auditory input, then rather than it being auditory input that everyone is then listening to, see if the person you're supporting or your child will use a personal stereo. So will they wear headphones? Can they wear something over their ears? And then they can listen to music, they can listen to audio books, they can listen to videos, anything that gives them that extra auditory input. But it means that then everyone else doesn't have to listen to the same songs and the same stories and the same um, situations over and over again, which for that person, they might find really reassuring and really comforting but for ourselves, we might find really overwhelming. So see if you can um, use a personal stereo. If not, can you use a certain space, a certain environment where they can listen to the same music, listen to the same story, whatever it might be. If someone's hypersensitive to sound, so when I said if someone is actually creating that sound to help reduce out other auditory input, some effective ways of doing that can be with white noise. So white noise can help to filter out unnecessary sounds around us, but also because it's one of the first frequencies that we tune into before we're born, because when we're in the womb, that's essentially similar to the frequencies that we're hearing. We might notice that some people choose to listen to white noise. So fridges humming, hoovers, um, washing machines, All of these sounds can be white noise, being out in nature. You can get some really lovely white noise tracks. There's lots of free soundtracks on YouTube as well if you just type in white noise. And again, it could be a sound that you play in an environment where they're playing or where they're doing some work or whatever it might be. Or they could have that on their personal stereo as well now some ways that you can support the humming and the repetitive talking and the stomping and the banging um, for people with proprioceptive and tactile needs can be through vibration so if you've got a massaging pillow a cushion something that creates that vibration Some people, when they feel that on their body, that's a similar sensation to what they're getting when they're humming. So vibration, massage can be really, really effective to help with that input. Now, if you're concerned because of the stomping, and it might not necessarily be the sound, that's what you've discovered now that you've identified your child or the person you're supporting specific sensory purposes as to why they're doing that then you may be starting to consider actually it's proprioceptive, actually it's all about how their body is feeling because they spend a lot of their day being quite boisterous, being quite firm, being quite heavy handed. And so if it is because of that, audit- that proprioceptive input, then think about what activities can you give them where they're getting that resistance into their joints and muscles. Now, currently we can go out for a walk each day, but things like if you've got stairs in your house, can they walk up and down the stairs? Can they carry something a little bit weighted as they're walking up and down the stairs? Have you got a gym ball or or loads of cushions that you can just pile up and they can sit their bottom on the floor and push their legs into the cushions? So a bit like a push-up with your arms, but with your feet. So you're using those muscles and joints in your legs and pushing against those cushions. Think about what muscles you use when you walk and when, if you stomp your feet, and can you provide a similar activity where they're getting that input in at the same time? So like you can see, we're talking about behaviours this month in our podcast, and it's really important that we accurately recognise and understand the sensory purpose behind some of these behaviours. If we misunderstand these behaviours and we support them as behaviours, so we don't support them as sensory needs, so if we were to tell them to stop, if we were to remove it, if we were only to give it as a reward, we would notice a negative impact for that person. So if you've observed that your child is humming a lot more, they're repeating sentences, they're singing, they're banging things, then try and work out for them what sensory purpose do you think it might be you think it's auditory, proprioceptive, tactile? And to really understand that, you might also want to think about some of the other sensory characteristics that they do throughout their life. Because those are going to give you some extra clues as to why they are humming and making these noises relating to other sensory characteristics as well. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, SensorySpectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you, but otherwise, thanks for listening.